Hello and welcome to the third opposition preview of the season and it brings me fantastic pleasure today to invite Sam on from Back of the Net, the best Bournemouth podcast, not just the AFCB podcast but the best Bournemouth podcast. The only Bournemouth podcast by the way, Sam? There are a couple of others but yeah we like to okay. consider ourselves the main one, yeah Chris. Okay, okay and how are you? Are you well? Very good, very good. I'm not enjoying not being able to go to the stadium to watch games, but other than that, I'm doing all right. And and how's the relegation hangover for you? Still quite raw. I feel as though um, there were numerous things against us last season, not least our crisis in terms of injuries, but the table doesn't lie. We finished 18th. We feel as though they were there were probably some worse teams above us in the table, but when when push came to shove we just didn't perform and in lockdown uh after project restart to get off to four consecutive losses we didn't exactly make it easy for ourselves put it that way join the club join the club and not to pile on the negativity sam straight away is the bournemouth fairy tale over very good question i don't think it is and Ooh. the reason i say that is based on the money that we are getting coming in for the players that we've let go players that um we assumed would be leaving such as callum wilson nathan ake of course aaron ramsdale i think josh king will follow and it looks as if we could be clawing up to sort of 80 million pounds worth in sales from all them so as long as that money's reinvested then I think there's a good chance of maybe getting promotion again this season. And that's what many Bournemouth fans are hoping for. And I'm certainly the same. I think it's been an incredible ride. Uh, it's been spearheaded by a particular fellow that's no longer at the club. Um, however, I feel as though with the continuity of having Jason Tindall in charge, we've got a good chance this season. Love the optimism, Sam. And um, now speaking of the devil, Eddie Howe, how does that departure sit with you? You know, is it is it a heartfelt? Is it really a heartfelt goodbye, or are you a bit annoyed about how it ended up? You know, should do, should you have changed it earlier? It, it is a heartfelt goodbye, and I'm glad we didn't change it earlier. I, I wouldn't have wanted him to to uh, leave the club halfway through the season. And historically, in situations like this, when we've been under the cosh, he's he's always come up trumps. I've got to say that. It feels like a different club now he's not there. He was at the club in his second spell for seven and a half years and before that, three or four years. So he is the club. And when you walk around the club, in the stadium, all around, the club's absolutely built around him. And that, I think, actually was a danger with regards to having that next person that would then walk into the club. But we haven't got an external appointment. It was his number two, which which kind of makes sense. It maintains squad harmony, it doesn't mean, uh, you know, the players are relearning a new way of playing football. You've got, you haven't got like three or four new members of the coaching staff. Everyone feels pretty raw still because although he wrote a letter, we, you know, we'd like to see the guy because he was looking, he was looking ill towards the end of his reign at AFC Bournemouth and looking like a broken man. And um, we'd just like to see him smiling again. And um, he's obviously taken a break, spending time with his family and hopefully he'll come, he'll come back to football very soon. Sam, I'm a, I'm, I must admit, and maybe it's just because I'm a Norwich fan, I'm a little bit sceptical about what's going on at Bournemouth. I've got big question marks about the debt. I've got big question marks about the wage bill. 
And I've got question mark marks also about, you know, hiring a number two. I know that you're saying it's a positive that you'll, you, you know, they won't need to relearn a new style of football, play a different way. But then, of course, you could argue they need to play a different way, right? Uh, yeah. And you know what? Many fans were nonplussed by his appointment. We weren't, we weren't exactly disappointed. And there were a number of other names that were being mentioned, such as uh, Chris Hewton, uh as uh, you know, of course, you you know you you know about that. People like Gary Monk. Um, people were even mentioning names like John Terry and seeing if we could maybe prize away Stevie G. I mean, come on, we're a small club. I mean, Rangers, of course, the Scottish Premier League is maybe not the most competitive league in the world, but they're getting European football, and it's a huge club. There's no way you would come down to little old Bournemouth. But yeah, it was a questionable appointment. Um, it, to many, um, a, a person that you, you don't really know how much input he's actually had um, at the club. And, you know, it seemed to be that everyone was, um, you know, playing to Eddie's rhythm, so to speak. And you, you don't really know how much of a manager he's going to be. But in terms of the debt, I think that's maybe one of the reasons why um, Eddie left, because we were going to have to get rid of a number of players the owner is owed a lot of money. There's a £35 million training complex in progress at the moment, which is going to be state-of-the-art and going to rival Southampton. So, you know, that money needs to be spent. And let's face it, at the moment, we have had no signings whatsoever. And any players that we have been linked with have been in the £1 million, £2 million uh, sort of bracket. So I think maybe Eddie didn't get the assurances that maybe he wanted with regards to his spending power. And Jason Tyndall, perhaps you could call him a yes man. He's someone that was happy to go along with it. So, yeah, it's it's very murky. S Sam, I know you've said you're redeveloping a training ground and that's massive. Norwich have just done it as well. It makes such a huge difference, particularly when you're trying to bring players in. Um, are, are, what are you doing with the stadium? Is is it? Are you getting a new stadium or not? Eventually, that's the plan. That's in the long-term vision. Uh, but the thing is, at the moment, uh, you've probably seen it when you last came down to the Vitality. Our training pitches are actually right next to the stadium at the moment. Yeah, but they're being, yeah they're being moved um, six or seven miles away in a place called Canford. And it's a huge, huge plot of land where there's going to be nine full-size pitches, all the cardio suites, an indoor pitch, and all that kind of stuff. And the actual place where the current training pitches is on Kings Park, that's the mooted venue for the new stadium which would be something around 25,000 seater, but you can't do one you know, without doing the other. So the training ground needs to move first and then hopefully we can talk about the stadium, but championship, uh, who knows whether we're going to sell out when fans are back because we were in the championship for two years before we got promoted and only the sort of five or 10 games on the lead up to promotion actually got sold out. So will there be a need for it? We're not sure. I think they're probably going to be waiting a bit in that department. So you had a fair few uh, fair weather fans in the uh, Premier League, Sam. Go on, admit it. <laughs> oh yeah, of course, uh, absolutely. Um, a number of uh, you know Johnny come lately's, and that is, uh, you know, you can see that on Twitter where people are just you know, baying for the club to sign anyone, just make any signings, but they don't really have any idea of the financial situation that we're in. So more seasoned fans like myself can maybe understand why the club's being a little bit more frugal than it used to be, rather than spending £15 million on Jordan Ibe and 20 on Dom Solanke, that kind of thing. That won't happen anymore. 
Look, Sam, I'm not going to be two-faced in here and sit here and say, you know, our oh, Bournemouth, massive club, love you guys to pieces. You know, I've gone a record saying before that you are you are a little bit tin pot. Now, have have you got a comeback to that, Sam? Because you know, I I was sitting in the in the away stand in our in our nil nil, where by the way, you should have definitely beaten us that day. In my opinion, we had chances, so did you. I looked to my left, I couldn't quite believe my eyes, Sam, because they were just. It was like the the OAP stand. They all had blankets on. Like honestly, like they all had blankets on. I couldn't believe my eyes. Like, do you have a comeback? Am I am I wrong? Look, we we're a big club now. We've got automated turnstiles. We never had that before. <laughs> it was usually one man who took who actually took the tickets. We've got another scoreboard. We are going up in the world. However, you're right. We are a tin pot club, and I think people <laughs> look at the size of the stadium. Uh, West Ham fans were singing, my garden shed's bigger than this. All those kind of chants that you um, would expect to hear. And in many ways, we were the laughing stock of the Premier League. But I think, you know, the one thing we did have on our side was the fact that we could out-football a number of teams, pretty much anyone outside the top six. Um, so that's one thing that we had in our locker. And um, had we been poor and floated around 16th 17th each season then uh yeah the comments would be more than justified uh however now we're back down to the championship um we're i mean for instance at the weekend we uh watched in our last match a, a horrendous stream and it was through the club's equivalent service not i follow but you know their own one uh the camera angles were awful the commentary didn't even work for the first 20 minutes and yeah that just you know there was hashtags of tin pot on the AFC Bournemouth third timeline. So, yeah, we probably Sam, deserve it, to be honest, Chris. Do, do, yeah, but do you know what, Sam? Fair play in play, because I've, I've poked the bear there, but I, I, I really respect the fact that you've admitted it. That is, uh, and I'm sure that a lot of Norwich <laughs> fans will respect you for that as well. Yeah. Um, Sam, moving on. Now, personally, I would be quite optimistic if I was a Bournemouth fan, particularly because of one game, when you took West Ham to the carpet cleaners away recently, 5-3, are you full of optimism for the season? And, and where are the Bournemouth fans' expectations? I think that performance uh, really gave us a lot of hope. I mean, we played Benfica in a pre-season friendly in Portugal before that, and we did well. We lost 2-1, but we're deploying a new system, a 3-4-3 now. And when Eddie put that system in place before, it always turned into a flat-back five and it never really worked. But now we seem to have a manager that seems to deploy it well, and we've got players in the right positions. So many times previously, we were putting square pegs in round holes, but players like Arnaud Dan Juma, um, even Dom Solanke, uh, David Brooks and Junior Stanislas seem to be playing with more freedom. And the fact that, you know what, Callum Wilson, um, I, I don't consider him a big loss. Aaron Ramsdale, I do in terms of his uh, you know, personality and he, and he formed the base of the spine of the team. Ryan Fraser, not really worried about him going. Uh, Nathan Ake, of course, was huge. But still, you've got individuals that you can think, if they stay, we've got a chance. And so... Josh King might be around for a bit. David Brooks, are now Dan Juma, who's been scoring for fun recently. Um, Jefferson Lerma in midfield, and also youngsters of the future like Lloyd Kelly and stalwarts like Steve Cook. We've got the right blend there, and if we can add to that, the only problem we've got the season is maybe squad depth. And if we see mm -hmm. some players being injured, that's where we could get unstuck really quickly. Um, however, yeah, signs are fairly positive, and I, you know, I would be really disappointed if we didn't finish in the top six. Interesting, very interesting indeed. And and so you, you've touched on a couple there, Sam. But you know, going into the game against Norwich, 
at the Vitality at the weekend. Who, who are the players that you feel could do damage to the to, to the Canaries? I think our front three really. Um, it, it depends how Norwich set up, really, because when we played Middlesbrough in our last league match, I think uh, they set up really well against us. And uh, when Norwich, you know, Norwich. Uh, when we played them at the start of last season and also Sheffield United as well. We, you know, we faced a team that um, was very well drilled, but this season it's going to be different for you because, you know, you want to go out and win the league and you're going to go out and attack. But in this one, I don't know. I think it's going to be a game of chess a little bit more than I expect, but players to look out for are now Dan Juma um, on the left side of the front three. I think that David Brooks will probably be back and we all know what he's about from uh, being in the Premier League. But I think our mid Field duo of Jefferson Lerma, uh, the Colombian, and Lewis Cook as well. Um, I think he's very dynamic, drives forward, spreads the ball left and right. Um, I would say it's more in our, you know, sort of attacking half that I would place the focus, and we could do some damage. And, and then to flip that round, who are you worried about coming up against in terms of that Norwich City team? You know, is there a particular player that you look at and you go? Oof, I don't fancy coming up against him at the weekend. Um, not, you know, not particularly um, an individual that I'm concerned about at the moment. But um, I just think that, um, you know, the way you came back in your last fixture, you know, showed a bit of team spirit. You know, whereas we went one nil up and then ended up conceding late, it was the other way around for you. And, you know, I don't know. It's just there's a lot of unknowns because you've made a lot of signings and a lot of Cherries fans have been looking at the incomings at Carrow Road and thinking, why aren't we doing that? We just can't afford it. And Norwich have got a good model. I know that relegation was awful last season and it was very, probably very, un, you know, <laughs> let's face it, you didn't enjoy it, did you? But <laughs> you seem to be one of those teams, almost like West Brom, that will always be there and thereabouts this season. And I've got no doubt you will. So, um, yeah, I just think as a team, we're you know, very concerned about you this season. And uh, I think it's going to be a very interesting and absorbing game. And um, it might well give us an insight into how the rest of the season is going to go. Sam, that is music to my ears. Um, and, and what wasn't um, a, a decent uh, display is the nil-nil at the Vitality last time out. Norwich, of course, for all the Norwich fans listening and watching, will remember it because we had a makeshift defence. Ben Godfrey got injured. We had Amadou, who's now left, who's a midfielder at the back. We had Tete, old-school Alexander Tete at the back as well. Bournemouth couldn't break us down. Pretty miserable game. I only remember Norwich having maybe a couple of chances. Tom Tribal hit the crossbar. I think Bournemouth probably had the better of the chances. What did you think that day of of Norwich, Sam? If you don't mind me asking, like, did did you did you think, yeah, these are relegation fodder with us? Oh, it's difficult to say, really. Um, I didn't at the time. I think it was relatively early in the season, so I didn't necessarily feel as though that you were going to be relegation fodder. But I think the natural way of being promoted from the championship means, you know, you're going to be there or thereabouts. And not many teams uh, tend to finish high up, you know, unlike Sheffield United, of course, as they you know, finished top 10. So, you know, they were a bit of a one-off. But um, I thought that you were very well organized and you know you had this low block which meant that we just could not get through your banks at all and it was it was really frustrating and Bournemouth are famed for having you fast starts we couldn't do that against you and yeah that's you know that's the fear that I had actually at the weekend in our last match uh and I just hope that there's not going to be much repeat but um 
it's a shame, really, that it didn't happen for you last season in the Premier League because I saw that match against Man City and I even saw your vlog on the channel and I thought, <laughs> well, you know, you know, these boys could pull off some shock results. But yeah. it was one of few high points last year, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It's a shame because, as you say, you know, and after that Man City game, you know, we lost our heads, completely lost our heads. I think that we thought, well, if we can do this against the, the one of the best teams in Europe, the, probably arguably one of the best teams in the world as well, uh, you know, why can't we stay up? And we just fell apart in the Premier League restart. But anyway, let's not go there. Come on, let's not bring up those negative yeah. memories. And um, Sam, do you know what I'm really interested to hear about? I'm really interested to hear about how you think you will line up against us. Okay, so uh, yeah, I think I, I could probably name the team. Um, I think it'll be a three-four-three formation. Um, uh, the only, you know, the goalkeeper probably going to be Asmir Begovic in goal, which is one of the players that I thought would shift on because of his high wage demands, actually. But whether that's going to happen or not, not sure. But probably him in goal, and then at the back, um, we'll probably have uh, Lloyd Kelly. Steve Cook and Chris Meppham. And then uh, four across the midfield, likely to be Jack Stacey on the right, ex-Luton Town, but is proving to be absolutely fantastic for Bournemouth in that spot at the moment. And Adam Smith on the left-hand side with Jefferson Lerma and Lewis Cook in the middle. And up front, it will be Dom Solanke, who seems to be rejuvenated. Um, thankfully, we're getting some uh, value out of that 20 million we spent now. And then... It'll be um, Junior Stanislas um, or David Brooks. I'd opt for Stanislas. Um, and maybe, maybe even Josh King could slip in there, but I doubt it. He'll probably be on the bench and it'll be Arno Danjuma that starts alongside uh, Brooks uh, or, or um, Solanke and Stanislas. So, so to me, Sam, that sounds like you're going to go for it, which is really interesting because I, I, I see that Norwich City will go for it as well. I don't, I don't think we're going to, you know, turn up, rock up at your place and try and get a point. I don't mean that arrogantly. So I think that there'll be a, I think it will be a great display of football for sure. It's really interesting, Sam, because the head-to-head -head ahead of this game, Norwich have won 24, Bournemouth have won 19. We've drawn 16 times. So let's get it from you right here, right now. Your score prediction, what is your head saying and what is your heart saying? Well, firstly, um, I'm actually disappointed it's not on TV. Um, you know, but for us, a beating Crystal Palace in the second round of the Carabao Cup, you know, matches had to be moved around. And that 100,000 fee that we would have had uh, now is being given to Huddersfield for showing their Friday night match. So um, I think we got £7,000 for progressing to the third round. So we're 93 grand down. <laughs> plus, plus Bournemouth fans have to pay a tenner to watch the game. And also yeah. a tenor to watch Man City, so we're twenty pound down. But in terms, <laughs> in terms of the result, um, I'm I'm feeling positive about it. Actually, um, my heart says that Bournemouth will win. I don't think it's going to be close, though. Um, I think it could be a, a high-scoring affair because we are conceding goals at the moment. I think three-two to Bournemouth says my heart, but my head, oh, I don't know, probably a one-all. Oh, see, you're see, you're the most positive fan we've had on yet. You're predicting a win, um, or a draw, but you know, and and I, I have to say, Sam, I'm, I'm unfortunately predicting a draw as well. And um, my, my heart is saying three one Norwich, okay. but my but my but my head is saying two two. I think there'll be goals. I do think there'll yeah. be goals in this. I, I can't see uh, certainly our defence keep keeping a clean sheet, and and I think that our attacking threat, particularly down down either wing um, will will cause you some damage. Sam, where can people uh, best give you stick? 
They can give us a stick on Twitter. So uh, follow us at AFCB Podcast. We're a podcast that's been around since 2016, but uh, we've been doing YouTube stuff last season. Uh, you know, kiss of death for our Premier League status, but never mind. We're covering the championship. And so just search Back of the Net Bournemouth on YouTube and uh, you can find us there as well. I'll make sure that the link is dropped down in the description below. Sam, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Chris, it's been a pleasure. Thanks very much. And thank you very much to all of you that are watching or listening to this right now. That is, of course, the third opposition preview of the season. And I hope that next time we speak will be on Saturday night, as always, with a crisp, cold Estrella in my hand after Norwich City three points. <laughs>